the only way we move past fear of failure is to put ourselves out again and again until the sting disappears. This quote by my friend Lewis Howes really sums up the big F word, failure. It's not a hot topic to talk about and it's not easy to admit. I'm going to tell you right now on this podcast episode, starting off with failure is a quick way to get somebody to move on from listening. And I completely understand why. It's not something we like to talk about. Failure used to be one of my biggest fears. I used to define my life based on successes and failures, wins and losses, like life was some big scoreboard. (laughs) But then I had to have a mindset shift, or maybe I should say, I got to have a mindset shift. I realized that failures were just lessons in disguise. And if you look at each experience, regardless if they're good or bad, as a lesson, you'll get much more out of it than chalking it up as just a failure or a success. With this simple shift, I'm able to pursue my passion and, like Lewis said, put myself out there again and again, no matter the result. Today, I'm going to give you a candid look at three of my greatest business failures, aka lessons, and what I learned from them with the hope that you can learn from them too. Okay, I'm just going to come out and admit that before I talk about this, it's not something that I'm really excited to do or that I want to do, but I also know that the more we openly talk about our struggles, the more that we open the doors for the conversations for us to admit that we're not alone. Many of us struggle behind the scenes and that what people actually see on the outside is such a small, small part of it. So I'm just going to invite you to extend a lot of grace and no judgment because how you hear my stories is going to be how you feel about yourself. Case in point, if you were going to judge my mistakes, if you were going to judge my decisions, if you were going to judge my behavior, it would prevent you from actually hearing how you could interpret it and not repeat it and or use it as a learning lesson for yourself. But if you only looked at it through the lens of judging what I did, if for some reason in the future you did something a little similar, you would judge yourself with equal or even greater proportion. So how about instead of judgment, we just simply listen and learn. That's going to be my invitation to you. So, Let's jump in with lesson number one. Don't run the risk of getting in over your head. Okay, so let's rewind back to 2016 where I hosted Path to Profitability. Now, this was a live event focused on how to build a brand and market it on social media. I hosted this event because I wanted to turn the live event into an online course. So I had this grand idea. Now, I should probably also state that in 2016, I didn't know that online courses were like a thing. Like I thought you had to buy an online course from an online university or some sort of large organization. It was so far beyond my thinking that just a single person could create a course and put it out. Y'all, that was 2016. You know, it's not that long ago, but it was such a foreign concept to me. So I was like, wow, what if I have this live event and then record it and maybe I could use that as the course, thinking that the only way somebody would buy a course is if it was on the back of a live event and highly produced. So again, don't get in over your head. Now, when I say this, let's break this down how I got really in over my head 
thinking that the bigger and the better and the more extravagant things were, that would be the reason why somebody would buy. So on the outside, things looked super successful and promising. It was like $2,000 to come to a two-day event and hosted it in this gorgeous venue in Los Angeles and I made magazines, right? Instead of like just a PDF or something digital. It's like I made a magazine. We printed out worksheets and workbooks. I hosted a mixer at the end. I wanted expensive champagne. We had breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like in reality, I was drowning in dollar signs because I didn't spare a single expense. I'm going to come out and say that I had spent close to six figures producing this event. That's crazy. Y'all, the first time that I ever want to do a live event on my own and I want to record it, I'm just like, oh, hey, my budget is six figures. Like, where did that even come from? I used professional hair and makeup artists. I brought fancy champagne. I hired not one, not two. I hired nine videographers. I hired a whole production team. What in the world? Now, I could only have this vantage point now recounting this story, but back then, what I didn't realize was that I was not okay with me. I did not trust that I could be able to deliver on content. I was pivoting away from just being a photographer to also being an educator for business owners. So I thought that I had to go above and beyond for what? Acceptance, validity, belonging, people's opinions. At the core of where I was making decisions was based and rooted in fear. Fear that I could not do the thing that I wanted to do. Now, as if that wasn't enough, now that I look back at that experience and I'm like, oh, that's what you were facing and that's why you were making those decisions. So that in and of itself, I could end the lesson there. I could say, don't get in over your head, but hold on. Let's just talk about the more disastrous things that were happening at this time. Because while I was planning this other event, my first love event, the first time I'm working with a production company, the first time that I'm really in over my head, Other big things were happening in my personal life. We bought a fixer-upper and we were renovating the house. At this time, as I was pivoting, I stopped booking wedding photography clients and I stopped creating third-party content, which means that there were these other large organizations paying me to create content for them and then I would either get a flat fee and or affiliates based on how many people would buy and people were based on buying on the content that I was delivering and if it went really well, it was financially advantageous. And that's when I took a step back and I'm like, wait a minute. That's not the revenue stream that I want to build. So if we talk about revenue streams, I had two major streams going out, renovating the house, which we went over budget because that's what happens when you renovate an old house. And then this big live event. So that was the outgoing money. And then the incoming money, I was like, let's put a pause on that. We're not booking photography clients and I'm going to stop creating content for other people and I want to create it for myself. And like, simply put, I was in way over my head. Like the perfect storm had happened. I was spending more while cutting down my revenue sources. I was drowning, but I had no other option but to keep swimming. I will never forget sitting in my office and thinking, do I get a loan? 
I'll never forget going to cabbage.com. No, this is not an ad. I'm just talking to you about sitting in sweatpants with greasy hair, completely stressed out, being, where are we going to get the money to finish everything? Now, my stubbornness, <laughs> I was like, I was stubborn. I was like, no, we're going to have this event. We're going to get it done. I don't care if it kills me in the process. And like, let's just pause here. If you are in your life, in your business, and you are just like, I'm going to do this done, even if it kills me, you're listening to this right now. And you're listening to somebody who's ahead of the process saying, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Go with the flow. But because I was in the middle of the situation, the same stubbornness had to be the thing that got us out of it. So I wasn't willing to give up on my dreams and we eventually made it through. And the good news is that we never went into debt. We didn't have to borrow money and we didn't have to take out a loan. And I know that we are very, very, very fortunate. I come from a family of immigrants. I've seen my parents lose two homes. I don't understand financial literacy. It's not something that I was raised with, but it's something that I've learned that we save and we have cash. And thankfully, we were able to cover the live event and the home renovation in addition to selling out the event. But what I learned is that the first time you try something new, it doesn't have to be perfect. It barely has to be good. I could have cut my cost for this live event by two thirds at minimum. I could have saved hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars if I just took the bare minimum and made it work. I would have learned more having spent much less trying to make it perfect. So wherever you are right now, maybe you're trying to plan a live event. Maybe you're just trying to get your website done. Maybe it's something as simple as selecting the font for your logo, right? It doesn't have to be perfect. You could just get it out and change it as you go so you're not getting in over your head. Let's chat about lesson number two, and that is to listen to others. Oh, we, I'm literally, I, I cringe every time I talk about these lessons because the first lesson was definitely rooted in fear and stubbornness. The second lesson, when I talk about listening to others, it's truly being willing and open to know that you don't know it all. So Social Curator first launched in July of 2017. And then we launched it again in October of that same year. So this was like a brand new business venture. I had no idea what to expect. And I told my business partner and my husband, JD, that I didn't want to focus on the numbers, right? I didn't want to say like, how many members do we have right now? Instead, I wanted to focus on how to best serve our members, Remember, in 2017, Social Curator was the first of its kind to offer what we were offering. Now, I'm not saying that I'm a special snowflake and that this never existed in any capacity. All I'm saying is to the best of my knowledge, the nature of what we did in Social Curator did not exist. It could possibly, but not in what we were doing specifically, not in providing group coaching, photos, caption templates, and a marketing plan. That's how we initially launched it. So at that capacity, we didn't have any competitors. What We also had to do a lot of education around what we were. So instead of being like, hey, I want to grow, it was what can I learn and how can I best serve members? This is like the best strategy that you can have as a new business. Less on numbers, more on serving. Now on the outside, we were thriving. I mean, people were like, dang, look at this girl. It's like she's having these successful lunches and we had top-notch promotional ads and we had these targeting strategies. But in reality, I was missing the point 
because we weren't retaining members. This meant that we were really great at bringing people in the doors, but we had a heck of a hard time actually keeping them on the inside. Now, part of the reason that I did not want to hear this was because I was like, no, 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 let me focus on serving, serving, serving. If I could just continue to serve, then we'll be okay. But do you hear like the nuance in that? Like if I continued to serve, we'd be okay. And when it became a singular focus on what I could do for the community, I lost the power of what I could do with a group of people inside of a community. But what was happening was I was hearing all these great success stories of business owners marketing their business and growing. And I'm like, hey, this is so amazing. Congratulations. But it was one way. They were telling me and then I was responding. Then there were other people in the group who were like, you know, I'm not getting the results that I want. But I was like, no, no, no. Are you doing the work? Because this person's getting these amazing results. And the thing I heard consistently is people said, I want to know if this works and if this works for me and my business. And then I had a light bulb moment is that a lot of the times we couldn't retain because people couldn't see what was possible for them. There might've been success, but if members weren't able to see it or share it, we were in a conundrum. The biggest wake up call came in January, 2018. So about six months later, when I was told that our numbers were lower than when we first started. So we had these two massively successful launches. I mean, I'm talking about really big launches, And then our numbers were lower than when we started. The team suggested that we start a Facebook group to create a community between members. And for six months, I said no. My experience with Facebook up until that point has really had a lot of negativity. Like I always joked with my friends is like Facebook groups is where unhappy people go to criticize others. And I was like, I don't want that to be a part of Social Curator. I had been part of Facebook groups where I became the brunt of jokes where my name in my brand was smashed. And I was like, I never want to do that again. And I never want to be that again. So for six months, I said no. And again, I was making about my thoughts and ideation around what a Facebook could become. And I didn't want that for our members. But when I took a step back and I finally let go of my fear and my ego and I listened to the team, I witnessed a drastic change. I first had to say, if I had a bad experience with the Facebook group, what do I want the social curator community to become? What parameters do we need to set up? What is our ethos? What is our culture? What do we want to foster? And the minute I created in my mind, hey, I think a group could be amazing if it was this. We put it out and then members had a safe space to connect, share stories and ask for advice. I think that what happened was I had to get at a really low point for me to realize what the business truly needed. I was talking to my really good friend, Amy Porterfield, and she said it best. When she went through a really tough time and kind of was just at the bottom, she said, quote, it felt like my dreams had burned to nothing more than a spark, but they came back as a roaring flame. Hot dang. I felt that. Because I said, it felt like the dreams of starting Social Curator had burned to nothing. But when the community came around, it revolutionized Social Curator. So here's what I learned. The big lesson here. It ain't about you, boo. It just wasn't about me. It was that the team and I weren't serving members to the highest potential. Just because 
I didn't like the idea of a Facebook group. It didn't mean that we didn't have the capacity to have an amazing Facebook group. We just had to set the terms. So as entrepreneurs, we have to do things we don't want in order to get to where we want to go as long as we're in front of the parameters that serve us and serve our customers. Now let's dive into lesson number three, and that's to set your priorities. When I started my photography business back in 2007, I knew nothing about how to run a business. Like truly nothing. I'm the daughter of an immigrant. I got government funding to go to college. I got scholarships to go to law school. I knew nothing. I knew no one. No one in my family, in my neighborhood, in my church. I had nobody to ask what it was like to grow a business. On the outside, I was putting in the work. I spent all day, all night on Google. I was reading so many blogs and so many magazines and so many books. I attended networking events to connect with other people. I was so hungry and desperate to learn anything. But I didn't realize that at the time, in reality, my priorities were completely out of whack. I was working a job three to four days a week. And then I had my side hustle for photography and every waking moment was spent trying to learn and consume. So I dated my computer more than I dated my husband. I was losing attention for people who mattered most to me because I kept on saying like, yeah, I'm going to call you back. Sure, we'll totally do lunch and then never set up a time to do it. When I would see people calling me, I would turn the phone off so that I could focus more on business. I was focused on work and I wasn't focused on life. And then I got a phone call that changed everything. I had a friend who discovered that her husband had a brain tumor and he wasn't expected to live. And I was in shock because we were the same age and we even got married in during the same month. And that phone call made me realize that I owed my family an apology for prioritizing my business over them. Like nothing is more important than my family than my husband and what I realized in that moment is as she was on the phone she had called me from the Mayo Clinic and I said is there anything that I could do for you like anything at all and she had said can you just please go and hug and kiss your husband she's like it's the only thing that I want to do right now and I was just shell-shocked I prayed with her I hung up the phone and JD and I at the time were living in this small condo. And I walked downstairs and he was sitting on the sofa. And I sat on the landing of the staircase between the upper and the lower level. And I felt like my knees just gave out. And I looked at him and I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I keep on saying, I want to get to bed. I'll get to bed. Just sure, we can watch that show together. Or sure, we can make dinner together. Or sure, I'll be down in five minutes. And then five hours later, I was still caressing my mouse instead of hanging out with my husband. And I just said, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry for being selfish. And I'm sorry for not seeing you. And what I learned during this time is that it's really important to set parameters. Because when you set your priorities, like who or what is the most important to you, you can then set parameters. And although I still wanted to grow my business, I needed to prioritize my life in order to set parameters on what I said yes or no to. And honestly, the craziest thing happened. When I set my priorities, I set my parameters and it allowed my business and my personal life to flourish. 
I had a schedule. I had to get things done on time because if I stayed in integrity and promised the people that I said who I was going to prioritize, it forced me to be so singularly focused on the task at hand, turn off the computer, and then live life. So what's the long story short? I could have looked at each of these experiences as a failure. I could have given up. But instead, I'm choosing to look at them as lessons that I learned. And I hope that by sharing them with you, you don't make the same mistakes I did, right? Like take my lesson, own it as yours, do not repeat it, right? So my good friend James tells me, we must make the conscious decision to reframe our situation. We could choose to believe we failed or we can choose to believe that we learned a lesson. So what I am asking you to do is to reframe your current situation. Sure, I just shared a few of my lessons and maybe you could think back in your life and business about the lessons that you learned. What would it look like for you to not look and say, I failed at that, but choose to reframe the situation to ask yourself, what did I learn? So if you've been knocked down a time or two or three, okay, more like three million times, I have been knocked down. I encourage you to get back up to wipe off that dust and keep on keeping on. You know, there's that song like by, what is that being like mumba jumba? I was like, I get knocked down, but up and up again, but up, I get knocked down. Okay, I don't actually know the words, but let me tell you, that's the song I'm hearing right now. What is that band, Mumba Jumba? If you know the name of the band, Wumba, send me a DM so that I can look cool because clearly I'm not cool. But hey, if you can name the band, are you really cool too? Like, are you into soft rock? When has soft rock ever been cool? Okay, if you're gonna come at me, I'm gonna come at you. Okay, so here's the thing. I wanted to have this conversation because if I am not real with you, I don't know how real you could be with yourself. Let's normalize the conversation around quote unquote failures and say, if we share more of the lessons that we learned from this, how much better will we be collectively as a community, as an industry, as a niche of people who are hustling to get the things that they want in life? Y'all, I am here to serve. So in addition to serving here on the podcast, what would it look like for us to, I don't know, send text messages to each other? Now, if you're new to the podcast and you're like, whoa, girl, you're creepy. I don't want to get that close. I'm just going to say for our long and low riders who've been around the block with me, I send text messages once a week that serve as reminders to stay the course. So for short, inspirational, kick in the pants messages like you kind of often hear here on the podcast, you can join my text community. Every week I send marketing tips and motivational texts to start your day. You can get them for free. You can head to jasminestar.com forward slash text me to send me a text and I will talk to you soon.